0: This is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, This is Kenny Omega Radio. One time for all the real ones. What's going on, everybody? I am your host, Rich, and welcome to One Nation Radio. Thank you guys for listening to the show every week. Uh, before we get started, if you guys missed the last episode of One Nation Live, that was on Sunday. You can go back in the archives and check it out. We talked about the greatest World Rumble, talked about all the Saudi Arabia stuff and making trades and you know, just different things like that. Uh, we talked about the Batista story and all that, but um, before we get it started today, uh, make sure you guys rate us on your platform of choice. We are an independent podcast network, and our budget comes from word of mouth. And the only way we're going to reach more people is with your help by sharing the show, downloading it, rating it, subscribing, interacting, sharing, you know, all the good stuff. But, um,. As you know, um, this show is a part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Make sure you guys check out all the other shows on the network. The Wrestling Wash with Caleb Baldwin. The Outsider's Edge with Rance and Carl. The Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. It's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Clive. Yeah, I've been saying that to myself a bunch of times. But if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, make sure you go check it out. You'll be saying it too. And also, Keeping It Strong Style. Keeping it strong style, Ichiban. That's number one if you don't know um, you know Japanese. But anyway, um, we got a lot to talk about today. WWE Backlash is on deck. Yes, another pay-per-view. It feels like there are a million of them. WWE fatigue is real. Shouts out to my boy Chad. He was talking about it. Think about this month alone. Uh, we had WrestleMania earlier this month. We had the Greatest Royal Rumble. That's 10 hours itself. Still had Raw and SmackDown to get through. If you're watching NXT, if you're watching 205 Live, that is a lot of content. And I don't know if WWE's necessarily gave us the highs that you know we expect out of that much time. But I'll get more into that. Um, as I think about the Backlash card, it's... Almost feels like the end of like a long marathon, essentially, of you know, all the shows that we've watched not only this month but from you know the start of the year, the two pay per view system combining into one now um, per month for WWE It's definitely a change, and I think that is going to be one for the better. But we're going to talk about the folks that didn't make the car, we're obviously going to run the car down and all that. Um, so let's get it started. Um, for the WWE Championship. No Disqualification, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. These guys, this is the third match in their series. Um, this will be the first match of theirs that doesn't happen in either a dome or stadium. Uh, as you guys know, Wrestle Kingdom 10, WrestleMania, and then the Greatest Royal Rumble. So, this one's a no-DQ match. It kind of got set up weirdly by, um, you know, they did a double count-out finish, so... I don't know what that was intended to do. Uh, You you would think that AJ would have gotten himself disqualified for getting so mad at Nakamura for kicking him in the balls all the time, but that's not the direction they went with it. Um, It's going to be interesting to see if these guys can live up to the hype. And, you know, they've done it twice, and I can't say either time they have. The second time was better than the first, but there's been an agenda with this feud um they've been booking it a certain way Shouts out to my boy simon he kind of called the kevin owens and aj styles feud from last year kind of like a uh companion piece to this one where you get these two guys that you think are just gonna blow the doors off the building melt the arena and then they kind of get constricted by the finishes that they have by the booking and that's definitely affected these guys here and it's you know but with Nakamura being a heel, there's kind of been a new twist added, and I'm kind of down with that. Swig one time, but um, you know, looking at Nakamura and what, and what he's doing now, this guy has gotten over a new catchphrase, a new persona in the ring and like kind of out of it as well, and a catch a theme song that's kind of designed to piss everyone off, and everybody loves it anyway. So I think if AJ Styles, or excuse me, if Shinsuke Nakamura doesn't win the WWE title, he should probably call Gato and ask if he can get into G1 because that would drop him to 0-4 in WWE title matches and I don't think anyone will ever really take him seriously again. Um, As far as AJ Styles goes, this has kind of been a title run not really filled with uh, the great matches that the last one was, so... I'm I'm looking for AJ Styles to break that streak that's been going on. It's just been, you know, above average, you know, fairly cool, but nothing blow away, knock your socks off from that MVP level he was at a couple years ago in WWE. So, um, you know... I just hope WWE gets out the way. That's my only uh, concern about this match. Uh, Go watch Wrestle Kingdom 10 if you have not seen it yet. Because I promise you, we are not lying about how good this match was. So, if they can come anywhere near that, I think we're in for a treat. The big match coming out of the Raw side would be Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe. Now, obviously, Samoa Joe is kind of being inserted here. Because, obviously, we're not seeing Brock Lesnar. Shocker. You know, this guy's not showing up with the title again. Um, So we'll talk about Lesnar real quick. This guy has kind of been, you know, I won't even say kind of been. He's definitely been disappointing. He's less than uninspiring. Um, He's held the championship and essentially the narrative around Monday Night Raw up for a year. It never really got to get paid off, so we're kind of in this weird place where we're past the peak, and we're just begging for someone to beat him to end that stuff. And, of course, you know, we had the whole deal with, you know, his part-timer status coming into question. Um, and this hasn't really come into question to make him look bad by WWE, only the fans in, you know, previous incarcerations, but what I feel is different about this one is, you know, fans are tired of him for his performance. Like, we've, you know... Everyone that I talk to and converse with and see online feel like Brock Lesnar just is not delivering in the ring as a character. And as they kill off more of his character and then his performances start to match it, that's going to be a recipe for a crowd that doesn't care about Brock Lesnar when he's around. And that title is just something they gave him and it's not a legitimate title. It's just you sit at home with it while Steph Rollins kills it on Monday night. While AJ Styles and Nakamura, you know, start to elevate that title back where it should be, if we start seeing the WWE Championship prominently featured in the main event, that Universal title will essentially be like how um, Hulk Hogan, you know, it Bachelor to the Beach 2000 WCW, they were like, yeah, that's the Hulk Hogan Memorial Belt. Like, And we'll have these other guys come out here and show you what it really is. But, um, you know, he went over Roman Reigns at the Greatest Royal Rumble, and it kind of left Reigns in a weird place where... He's not the champion. He's getting booed more than ever. And he's going against a guy in Samoa Joe that is just peaking on all levels from the promos. We haven't really seen much in the wrestling, uh, but we know that's there. And the way Joe carries himself, he feels like a threat to anybody. And Joe and Reigns, it has more juice than Lesnar and Reigns at this point, which I feel like is completely like washed up and finished. Um... Now, Joe is going over to SmackDown, so that kind of makes things, you know, interesting, you know, do you want to send Joe off with a loss over to SmackDown to, to the, uh, you know, the in WWE's eyes, the uh, lower show and, you know, send him, you know, over there with a loss and just beat him. Or did they have to worry about, you know, getting Roman Reigns something back from all that he's lost in, you know, this this you know past month? And I'm not only talking about his blood that he'll never get back that was left in New Orleans. But Reigns is a guy that is struggling in almost all the areas right now. They're not letting him wrestle that often on TV right now. He's kind of being toyed with, not only by the company, you know, trying to figure out a way to make him someone that people like and this guy they're really making him a baby face. Like they are having this guy get jumped three on one by Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Jinder Mahal. And they don't want to turn him for whatever reason. So I think they're damaging his career. Um I think that he's definitely a talented guy. Um I enjoy more Roman Reigns matches than I don't. And I think that's you know something to say about a guy. But you got to eventually admit it. Look, you know, look the truth in the face. He's not the one. And I can't think of a top guy or supposed top guy that every time he gets near the championship, people just like lose their minds on him. He's definitely unique in that sense. But he's a modern Lex Luger right now. Like they made him look like a plate of piss over this last month. Uh, to quote Jim Cornette, busting his head in New Orleans. They send Brock off to the back and don't even make the story about Brock. This is all about Roman just being, you know, essentially humbled and embarrassed. And they folk they close WrestleMania with him walking out of the arena looking all hurt and sad. It's like, really? This is how we're, we're supposed to get excited about this? Like... Nah, like, this is stupid. And you, you guys notice, like, James hasn't been on One Nation Radio since then. And he told you why. If you go back through the archives, it's like, this was just so deflating. So, Reigns and Samoa Joe hopefully can pull him, you know, back out of the gutter that this Lesnar feud has just done to him because WWE refuses to pull the trigger until the quote-unquote right time. The right time isn't coming, you know, and... What is doing to not only Reigns in the meantime, but it's doing to Monday Night Raw, it's doing to Universal Title, it's just making it us is making it something that we can just forget about. Then we don't care about because we we have championships, we have great wrestlers. This guy Lesnar is just showing up, cashing checks at this point. So um, Lesnar and Joe, um, excuse me, Reigns and Joe you know they're going to separate after this i'm looking uh, I'm, I'm predicting roman to get the win but i wouldn't be shocked if you know they send joe off strong in the smackdown being the next challenger for you know whoever is the champion at that point but um they've they've got to figure some stuff out with reigns because he's on thin ice right now the next match i want to talk about is daniel bryan versus big cash yes it is time Daniel Bryan has returned to one-on-one pay-per-view action, and it's against Big Cass. I mean, I've tried not to, you know, flip my lid over this. I actually rationalized them doing this. If you look at the heel structure, obviously they haven't let Almas show up. Nakamura's going for the title. Joe's tied up with Roman Reigns. And any other heels that you can think of on SmackDown are probably tied up as well. Um, they have Miz challenging for the Intercontinental Title, and for whatever reason, they didn't want to do that. So that kind of left Big Cass as the only option. Um, I thought that you know this this program has kind of been you know mixed results thus far. Um, Obviously, Big Cass was like pretty impressive uh, in that first promo where he came out there with the suit. I didn't know if the suit quite fit him, and it wasn't on point like that, but I'm going to let that slide. Um, they did the the whole attack deal with Dan Brian in the back, and they kind of haven't really showed him on TV. Uh, the midget promo, that was uncut trash. Um, that was totally uncreative, and it was just... Was just everything that you do when you can't think of something else better. Um, To Cass's credit, he tried to roll with it, but it was just bad material overall. Um, They obviously built this up with Daniel Bryan going 76 minutes in 87 degree weather um, at the greatest Royal Rumble event, and he was thrown by Big Cass over the top rope. Cass has repeatedly, you know, banged on the seven foot drum, and Daniel Bryan is short, and you know. I would think that they would have had something better prepared for Daniel Bryan after all this time, um, but apparently they didn't. So it's going to be up to Bryan Danielson to save it in the ring unless WWE decides to squash Daniel Bryan, which in that case, you may hear me come on here next week and blow a gasket because this isn't a guy you should be squashing or making look unimportant. This is a guy that if you want to beat him, let the match be great and people will roll with it. I remember the 2014 Royal Rumble when him and Bray Wyatt went out there in the opener. And I don't know if this was the case that everyone thought he would be in the Royal Rumble later. Where it was like, okay, well the match was great and made Bray Wyatt look good. But I feel like if he can do something similar for Kaz, like people can't really be that upset. Because it's still great wrestling and this guy coming back. Now, uh, do I want to see him against... Literally everyone else on the roster, yes. I'm not going to front and, and lie to y'all on here to say I'm excited about Dan Bryan wrestling against Big Cass, who may or may not be immobile right now coming off that ACL and how stiff he kind of looked at the uh, Greatest World Rumble event. So um, this is the ultimate proving ground for Cass. If you can't figure it out with Dan O'Brien, you should probably just quit, um, turn in your boots, go hang out with Enzo but i think cass has something in him he just needs the chance to uh get it brought and brought out of him if it was me booking it i would pretty much have have this be kind of a replay um of diesel versus brett the hitman hart from survivor series 95 where it's just an ass whooping but daniel bryan's gonna have to dissect this dude and find a way to like sneak out of there with the win and then you know you can do whatever. Have Cass destroy them, lay them out afterwards. Keep it going. However you want to do that. But I feel like there's a um, there's a great you know path to go down with Big Cass being angry as hell and just destroying everybody. But you do not need to beat Daniel Bryan under any circumstances right now. But I feel like they're gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna go with my heart over my head. Uh, Daniel Bryan victorious sneaks out with a victory over Big Cass. Um, The next match that I wanted to talk about, as I scroll through my list here, um, is Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton for the United States title. These guys have been building it up kind of slowly and regularly with, you know, Shelton Benjamin being added into the mix. Randy Orton dropped Jeff Hardy with an RKO, and they're having a U.S. title match. I don't know. These guys are both really old relics from the past. Hardy feels like he's more washed up by the day. Orton is the opposite of fresh, super stale. Um one-month-old bread, spoiled milk, whatever, you know, you want to use to compare him to. Um, I feel like eventually he may have to turn, but if you look at that face side, it's really thin, so he might have to stay face, and they have baby faces fighting each other. They haven't quite figured out the hierarchy on the SmackDown side, and I can kind of forgive them for this, for throwing this match out there, because two name guys, and, you know, they're fighting for the U.S. title, so how important is it really? So, um... You know, anything's better than throwing, like, Jinder Mahal in there. As you guys can see, with Jeff Hardy and Jinder Mahal, uh, Meltzer gave that a half-star rating. Um, I didn't go that low, but I'm not going to argue with it at all. Like, once Jinder Mahal starts falling down while he wasn't even hit, and, you know, doing things like that. I mean, I can't really blame you, but so much. Um, the other match I want to talk about here, um, you've got Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a tag team match. Now, these guys have all kind of been linked at the hip throughout the month of April. They've been having Lashley and Strowman hanging out together a lot. I don't necessarily like it. I don't think Lashley's had, you know, a chance to really um, establish himself you know, of what he is and, you know, who he is essentially at this point because there's a lot of people, myself included, that have never really watched Bobby Bobby Lashley. I didn't watch Impact, and I wasn't watching WWE the time that he was here previously. So I just see this guy that's super jacked coming out here, hanging out with Brock Lesnar, and it's like, all right, um, you're not better than Strowman, so you're just kind of like... There, you know, and we got to talk about, you know, the way Strowman is kind of being booked, continually being the hottest guy, best reactions, biggest face going, and he's stuck in a nothing kind of tag team match with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Now, on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's end, they are two of the few heels on Raw that can step into a main event position and it be credible it'd be uh viable on pay-per-view as a match and it also you know be a segment to segment uh thing that you can fill time with and also uh get positive results out of so this match is you know kind of like an add-on it's the only tag team match on the show all these are you know just singles matches strange because uh, we'll get to it later but these guys aren't even traditional tag teams, so um, you, you look at all the other tag teams and they're nowhere to be found. But I feel like Strowman and Lashley are going to go over because they don't realize that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are holding up like a house of cards, essentially, on the heel side right now. Because when you start going past that, you get that trifecta of Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal, and Mojo Raleigh. So oh no bro so but i don't i don't feel like they're gonna protect owens and zane at all so i think they're just gonna put the big power guys over bobby lashley's headband will not move um and it will you know just be the big suplex and a power slam and you know maybe they'll do double pins together or something um charlotte and carmella up next for the smackdown women's championship now charlotte The whole deal with her was she got cashed in by, you know, the the night after WrestleMania or two days after WrestleMania for her first show. And what happened was we had the Iconics debut. Now, the Iconics are not even on this show. The real heat with this whole thing is Charlotte and the Iconics. Now, where Carmella comes into that is obviously she has Charlotte's end goal, the title, and she was being super annoying in her face and all that jazz, and I feel like we're being set up for just Charlotte leading Carmella through the match, and then, you know, Carmella escaping via cheating or some type of interference, maybe even Becky Lynch shows up, we don't know. Uh But it feels like they're not going to put the belt right back on Charlotte because they want to experiment with Carmella for whatever reason. Bless her heart. But um, I don't know, man. This is a big step down from the SmackDown Women's Championship last month that was the best match of WrestleMania, arguably. So I don't know, man. Carmella hasn't been on pay-per-view in a singles match in well over a year. She barely gets to actually show what she can do. On even house shows so the best thing this match has going for it is mystery but I feel like we all know what's on the other side of that so um after that you know there's Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship we've got to get Alexa Bliss out of here um she's been in how many straight Raw Women's Championship matches and Smackdown Women's Championship matches I really can't tell you uh, anything that has been top level in that, you know, time frame, there's been matches that were decent, but there's also been a lot of, like, duds and, like, low quality matches that no one bought the finish with the DDT and, you know, the turnbuckle move. Obviously, she's been, you know, it, it's rolling over with her and Nia Jax from WrestleMania. They're doing this thing where she's really opened up on the weight thing with the blissful moments, and that seems to be a hit with everyone, but she's about to get whooped out here. Nia Jax is doing much better as a babyface than I anticipated, and this is Nia's time. Like She's about to get her out of here, get Mickey out of there, whoop them both, stack them up like the Ultimate Warrior, and pin them both with with her foot on the chest, I feel like. so. um, Yeah, man, and the last match to talk about here... Seth Rollins in the Miz. Now, Seth Rollins in the Miz. Miz, obviously on SmackDown. Seth Rollins on Raw has been producing nothing but great matches since the Gauntlet, where you know he beat John Cena and Roman Reigns back to back. Went to WrestleMania in that triple threat with Balor and Miz. They did their thing there. There's been a couple matches with Finn Balor on Raw. Um in particular the one this week where everyone's raving about it. Um and You know, rightfully so. So, seeing The Miz get the Intercontinental title match, is is this a swan song, essentially, for Miz for the Intercontinental title? Because, you know, just looking at it, if they lose the Intercontinental title, they have no men's singles title on, on Raw. So, I don't think Rollins is losing here. And... I don't think Miz is going to show up and just mail that shit in or lay it down and succumb under the pressure like he couldn't, he can't possibly top uh, the Rollins and Balor match from this week. I think he's going to put it in his best effort as normal and, you know, put together something with Rollins who is on fire and and arguably the WWE in-ring performer of the year thus far. And when he's wrestler of the year lists start popping up, I feel like he's going to find his name at the top because in, you know. Nearly every major show that he's been on this year, he's been either like the best or like second best thing about the show, whether it's his wrestling or you know just the way he's interacting with the crowd now. Because the burn it down thing is really like catching fire, and this might be a situation they want to capitalize on. Like, even though he's the intercontinental champion, they might want to look at that dude to beat Brock instead of you know Roman Reigns or Bobby Lashley or even Strowman. Um, because you know, Rollins has something going right now and WWE is not the best at figuring out when to strike and you know those problems are well documented but I think Rollins obviously holds on here and then he's going to run through he's going to be the guy to work with all those guys I'm terrified of on Monday Night Raw like Baron Corbin uh General Mahal and what's the third guy Mojo Rawley and hopefully he can get uh, uh, Drew McIntyre, he can get Adolph Ziggler, somebody else that can, you know, mix up, mix it up and, and vary, you know, what's going on with his uh, title reigns. He'll get a chance to go in there with the good guys because we see what, what he does with Balor and I think, you know, what he's going to do with Miz, I, I'm predicting like a four-star match, so uh, hopefully that thing goes over well, but yeah backlash it is a show that um it feels like the end of a marathon so luckily it's not a four hour hour show so it's only going to be a three hour show and i think that you know if we're going match ratings if we're looking at it i think you know styles and nakamura might finally get where it needs to go i'm not really expecting real greatness out of hardy and orton or nia jackson bliss carmella and flair just kind of regular. Reigns and Joe's probably gonna be really good. Brian and Cass has the potential if they go the Bret Hart diesel route. If they go a squash, I'll be furious. Um and the tag match will be just a standard WWE tag match. So I think it's down to I think there's four big matches on here that can deliver. And there's four matches that I just be like, eh, I don't know. So um yeah. Let me get, let me know what you think about backlash. So you can tweet me at RichLadder32 uh, or at One Nation Radio, and we can discuss this on social media or come in the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group. Now, with WWE cutting back to one pay per view per month, obviously a lot of folks are not going to make the card every month, um, and I think this will be something that I keep going to see who you know is absent, when and how often. And looking at it going forward, I wrote down. About nine names here um, that, you know, either notable, you know, kind of people that either I like or you guys like or you would think might have a role, but they don't for whatever reason on this card. So, starting with it, I feel like the obvious one here is Finn Balor. Um, He lost at WrestleMania. He lost to Seth Rollins again. He lost to Seth Rollins again. Um, You know, ladder match and then the Monday Night Raw. something's got to happen with this guy he's he's left off the pay-per-view kind of concerning i'd like to see him turn uh and be that other strong wrestling heel um i don't really know you know what it is about balor but they haven't really gone back to him since the universal title reign and i would like to see him get another opportunity because all this guy's done this year is produce on the royal rumble he's been excellent in the gauntlet matches and he's been excellent anytime he's been there with rollins and he's a really good guy that you can use uh all over the card against all types of opponents. So I don't know why WWE, you know, isn't capitalizing with this dude. Next person I want to talk about, Asuka. So she <laughs> loses her streak at WrestleMania, goes to SmackDown, and promptly gets wrapped up in being just another uh, competitor. She's in a match with Becky Lynch tagging up, and they lose. She's a part of like a six-woman tag. Obviously, no type of match or momentum. All I can think is losing at WrestleMania kind of just reset Asuka to square one, and obviously she doesn't have a role this month. So um, definitely look for Asuka to come back because you lost your one shot at the belt, and then you just completely... You know, you kind of vanish. You don't look like you're trying to go at Carmella. You, you're not really... There's no one really on the heel side for you to really work with right now. I would like to see Becky Lynch turn so we could get a Becky Lynch Oscar thing going. And for me, that should definitely make a pay-per-view. But it's not happening this month. Next person, Andrade Cien Almas. Now, this guy um, has not debuted on SmackDown TV, and it actually um, might work out that way because uh, it'll work out better that way. Because in the Superstar Shakeup, you get the excitement of all the new people, but Andrade is kind of being positioned to where he can be apart from that, and when he shows up, it can mean something. And this gives me a, a tiny sliver of hope that he might be someone they're planning something for or it could be, you know, what we often see is, oh, we just waited a month, but we really ain't got shit for you, bro. So you got to, you know, just get it like a Red Cross, go out there, Zelina, and you talk, and, you know, we'll have them beat a couple jobbers, but we really ain't got shit for you. So, you know, you might as well just just run it. But, um, yeah, so almost. This- you know, maybe he can challenge for U.S. title because that match is like a glaring hole in his card of just staleness. So, um, U.S. title, maybe he jumps out on Daniel Bryan. Maybe, you know, something happens. Um, but I hope that he makes his debut rather soon. Um, after that, you know, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, uh, the show as they're calling themselves. So, McIntyre cut kind of a breakout promo. Ziggler feels Refreshed. No appearance on the card. No tag team match. Uh, we might as well roll this in with both sets of tag team champions. Not on the card. So, I don't know. Is tag team wrestling being de-emphasized? Do you ever see them switching some of these belts out? Yeah, like, we're going to leave the mid-card belts off of, you know, a particular show. Or we're going to leave the women's belts off of the show. How difficult is is it going to be for all the great tag teams to start making the shows now, or are these guys going to be marginalized? Because if you remember in two thousand seventeen, tag teams were the best thing about WWE because their matches were independent of any agendas. They were independent of um, you know part timers. They didn't have to worry about you know all the narrative of like experimentation. You know this was alright, we've got four tag teams across the two brands. We've got the New Day on one side with the Usos, and then we've got the Bar with Rollins and Ambrose. And these guys are going to be four stars or better every time out. What you got on that? And now, the division has kind of been taken in another direction with Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy as your champions on one side. Then the Bludgeon Brothers who are just killing everybody in a way where you can't even really have matches with them and this is kind of the result, you know of when you get these guys as the champions your belts probably aren't going to mean much no bar no usos no wyatts no ziggler mcintyre who have a fresh act that might get some legs so hopefully these guys don't have to stick you know in the you know, healthy scratch area too often. Maybe someone gets added to the pre-show. Who knows? Then we had the boss, Sasha Banks, who was left off the card again. Obviously, her feud with Bayley is under indefinite stop-start status, and they are in real danger of no one caring by the time it actually pops off. Um, She had a match with Ruby Riot everyone's calling it Ruby Riot's best performance of her career thus far. Um, in there with Sasha Banks and Sasha Banks putting, you know, her over and, you know, everything like that. Um, common denominator with Sasha. Most of the, you know, women in WWE, their best match comes with Sasha Banks. Let's go down the list. Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Bailey, Alexa bliss, Nia Jax, and now Ruby riot. So that's at least six. um, I'm sure there's more Asuka if you want to make that argument between the Asuka match that she had with Sasha on Monday Night Raw um, after the Royal Rumble and then, you know, WrestleMania 34 with her and Charlotte. You can make that argument. So, depends on, you know, how you feel about what. But I remember in that match with Asuka, they were trying to kill themselves. And it was really dangerous, really intense, really athletic. But the boss is not on pay-per-view again. She hasn't turned heel. She's kind of just been stuck in babyface purgatory while they haven't had room to do this Bailey stuff. So they've been doing a lot of other shit that, you know, they can't really devote all their attention to it. And, you know, when it happens, I want that proper attention on it. So I'm willing to wait for now, but I don't feel like everyone else is. Then we got the guy that Michael Cole sounds like he busts a nut over every time he comes on the screen, Elias. So um, as I've mentioned on this podcast, Elias is a perfect example of when everything's not for you Um, because, you know, I've sat here with James for months and just kind of questioned like, you know, what's the big deal? You know, he's doing a lesser version of the rock gimmick and he's not really producing anything in the ring. And this is another example of, I feel like WWE likes this dude, but they don't like him that much. Because it's been over 13 months with no type of singles match on a pay-per-view that was built from anything. Now, he had that match with Jason Jordan, but as I mentioned before, that match was kind of set up in one night and it was kind of just a throwaway thing. But Elias hasn't done shit on pay-per-view and they won't let him do shit. So... What do we really have in this guy? You know, they can tell us he's a main event talent all they want because, you know, we all know how good their announcer's credibility is. But unless you show us or give us good reason, it's just going to sound like a bunch of hot air. And to me, it does. And, you know, for whatever reason, this dude's over, but they don't want to let him wrestle. Are they afraid that he's going to ruin it? Um, Do they think that they can't produce an opponent for this guy so I don't know like I feel like you know Seth Rollins may be able to figure something out with him he's not a terrible wrestler he's a he's a competent wrestler I don't think he's very good he's just you know professional he has professional wrestling matches you know professional professional matches as as I've turned them before but he once again doesn't make the pay-per-view And it'll be interesting to see if he shows up at all, if he gets a segment. And it's like, if you want this guy to play guitar, cool. But don't lie to my face and call him a main eventer when he's clearly not. And y'all won't even find out if he is. So, um, after that, we got a couple more. Uh, Baron Corbin, obviously, he's kind of in this conga line deal with Noé Jose, who's also nowhere to be found. But he's not officially on this list. Um, Corbin... Come to Monday Night Raw, done nothing. Uh, Been a guy that supposedly is supposed to receive this major push this summer. I'll believe it when I see it. Him versus Roman Reigns is not exciting. Him versus Seth Rollins is not exciting. Him versus Finn Balor is not exciting. Baron Corbin versus anything is not exciting. So it'll be interesting to see where they put him. I doubt it'll actually be interesting what he produces, though. So, um, he's not on this list. Didn't, you know, inspire them to get, you know, behind him in booking a match. He's been kind of stuck with No no Way Jose. And last, of course, Rusev. Shouts out to my boy Ricky. Uh, that's his guy. And Rusev, after being a major part of the um, Styles and Nakamura feud and then getting buried 60 feet deep underneath, you know, in Saudi Arabia, in the casket. Not on this show. Maybe a calculated reason. If so, I, I wouldn't have shown him on TV last week. If you were going to sell you know, him losing the casket match, just keep him off of TV on Tuesday. And then, you know, don't book him for the pay-per-view and let him come back after the pay-per-view. Um, I, I just think that was kind of an oversight by WWE there. But no Rusev day on, um, you know, backlash. So it's unfortunate. A lot of folks are going to get left off as you can see, and I'm going to keep a running tally of who it is. And maybe by the end of the year, we'll, (laughs) we'll have the, the most wronged, uh, superstars list, um, on this thing. Finish him. Now, before we get up out of here today, we are going to talk about the Kenny Omega and Hangman Page match from Wrestling Dontaku Day 1. Tomorrow is Okada and Tanahashi, and I'm sure the guys at Keeping It Strong Style will have thorough analysis on that for you. But I watched this match this morning before I went into work, and it has been a while since I got to see the wrestling god, as Cyrus calls him, Kenny Omega, in New Japan in a main event match. Um, Now, was it five star Kenny Omega? They didn't have a five star match. I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm not going to, you know, move the goalposts for my dude. But I thought they had a four star match. Um, I thought um, it was definitely a good showing for Paige, who was out here flipping and. You know, doing all this stuff like he wasn't hurt. He was nursing a groin injury. So how it all went down, uh Cody jumped Omega right before the bell rang. And he set up a table, and then Omega baseball slid and he took Cody out. And he did the rise of the Terminator tope that, you know, took out Cody and everybody else on the outside to ring. The young boys were out there too. Paige from there, he hit the moonsault about thirty seconds into the match off the top of the rope, and it was like incredible. Uh, this dude's like I've seen him in person. He's not the biggest guy, but he's not a small guy either. So, um, seeing him do that, you know, was really impressive. Um, after that, Paige did the rite of passage on the top of the table. Uh, the Japanese table was laid out, but not set up. And if you guys have seen the Japanese table, even though they look smaller, they're way thicker than the American ones. So, um it looked like it made, like Omega's head made the imprint, but obviously it wasn't his head that was, you know, hanging his knees or whatever. Um, from there, you know, they went into a lot of back and forth action um, and Omega's head was busting open from there and then Paige shoved the ref down. They were in and out and Omega hit him with a snap suplex and a back suplex on the apron. Omega went for the moonsault on the barricade, but um, you know, his he landed on his feet when Paige charged him. Um, after that, you know, Omega was trying to get the V-triggers popping, but wasn't working at at first um, and Page hit him with a package pile driver and a huge neck breaker off the top rope the same one that he did in the Jay White match and I believe they mentioned that um, from there Omega kind of fired up and started hitting V triggers and then you know going for the one at Wing Angel to no avail but Page escaped uh, Page tried to rebound with a clothesline but Omega hits him with one of the most like gifable V triggers so what happened was Page was on the outside of the ring um, at this point he like flipped over the top rope and then mid flip he was caught with a v-trigger so you guys gotta see this um but you know from there it was omega just pretty much wearing him down uh v-trigger after v-trigger eventually you know till he pow drove him v-triggered him again and then you know hit the one wing angel for the win i thought uh page looked good you know he he didn't look out of place i didn't think he was uh you know a step down for Kenny or anything. Uh, I thought that it was athletic and it was a good return to form because Kenny hasn't been doing a bunch of singles matches this year. So hopefully this can get him rolling until, you know, he can possibly challenge for the IWGP championship again against Okada or, you know, whoever his next major opponent is, whether it's Cody again, uh, and hopefully they can, uh, you know, wrestle the match I want to see this time. Of course, as I mentioned, Okada and Tanahashi will be wrestling uh, each other tomorrow. If Depending on when you watch this, you may have seen the match. Um, I have not seen it yet. Um, I'm definitely excited to see it. Uh Okada's title reign has essentially led to this moment. They say the reason that he beat Tetsuya Naito at Wrestle Kingdom was specifically to, you know, for a long-term story of Okada going, you know, for the record against the man who previously held the record in Tanahashi. They have an all-time 6-6 six, six, and 2 record against each other. Their last match was in the G1 in 2016 and it was a draw. I didn't see that match live, but I didn't see it um, you know, at a later time where the whole thing would have been spoiled. So when they came out of nowhere with the draw, I was like, this match is incredible to see how they did, you know, the finish and all that. So if you guys haven't seen their last match, go check it out. It's from the G1 in 2016. But as Okada moves into this match, um, and the guys over on Keeping It Strong Style have been making this point, Okada, if he makes it past Tanahashi here, he can lose at any time to anyone. And his matches suddenly kind of, regain a layer of excitement that may not necessarily be in them at this point, because it's like, did you really think he was going to lose the Sonata? Did you really think he was going to lose the Zack Sabre jr? I didn't either time. Um, You know, despite all the submissions that they had, you know, Zack Sabre put on all these guys from new Japan, them dudes ain't Okada and being pushed. Like he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, So with Okada and Tanahashi, this may be the last major championship match they ever have against each other uh you know at a level you know people can say all they want tanahashi's the past he's washed up he's not what he was and you know maybe there's some of that element uh that rings true but i happen to to recall every time i see this guy in a big match situation, aside from you know wrestling Jay White or something, you know with his trash ass, uh, what up, Josh and Jeremy? Um, <laughs> Tanahashi has been excellent, uh, and I, I think he's going to figure out a way to have a great Tanahashi match. in Keep the streak going. And, you know, the streak that he has is all these five star matches years in a row. And it took him all the way until the G1 A block finals last year to reach that. But, he and okada have a special rivalry that some people say even okada and and um omega haven't reached okada and omega was just like this three match thing that was that just broke the sport but this one's a little bit different because it's like old versus new this is one generation transitioning to the next and you never really quite You know, can it's rare that you can capture that because, you know, top guys will hold on to a point where they don't want to work with people, but Tanahashi has proved to be selfless time and time again, and maybe, just maybe, he's the guy to end Okada's streak. Um, to where, you know, they're kind of recognized as equals in a sense. Or they just want to have Okada just blow his record to smithereens and, you know, keep pushing Okada as the greatest single Japanese wrestler we've ever seen um, in, you know, New Japan. But I'm definitely excited for that match. I can't wait to watch it. I will be, you know, waking up at a certain time where I can see it live um, at some point. But Tanahashi and no Okada, the final time, possibly. So, yeah. Um, looking forward to it make sure you guys check it out highly recommended if you you know tend to only watch wwe uh if you're looking for more context on this you can go on vimeo and look up the Showbuckle videos and they put out a wonderful um encapsulation it's two videos long of their entire rov- rivalry leading up to this point and it well It it will show you, essentially, uh, up until Wrestle Kingdom 10. So, it doesn't include the draw match that they did. So, check that out. And then, you know, watch the match if you haven't seen it. And be impressed because these guys are special. So, uh, but yeah, man. um, That's pretty much going to wrap up the show. Uh, A little bit more compressed this week. But I want to thank you guys for listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Make sure you guys rate and review us um, and make sure you guys check out all the other shows on the network. As I mentioned, the wrestling watch with Caleb Baldwin, the outsiders edge with Rance and Carl, the Ricky and Clyde wrestling podcast and keeping it strong style for all your new Japan. Uh, in, Keep rocking with me, Rich, uh, for One Nation Radio. I might do a live show after WWE Backlash. Depends on how I feel and how tired I am. If not, I will be back um, next week with more coverage about everything. And, you know, keep it real with y'all. So, we're going to get up out of here. Thank y'all for listening. Peace. Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. We'll see you next time.